0: Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week. Throughout the state of Texas, brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet.
1: Ken in Dallas. How can I help you?
2: Good afternoon, Jim. I've got a house built in 1966 and it had a one roof replacement in 1984. We're looking at getting it in place now with just a nominal hail damage, a little bit of peeling around the edges. But the question is, one roofing person has walked on the roof and said that the plywood is soft. second person has walked on the roof and said that it's not soft and, in fact, looked up in from an opening within the garage. I don't know if it's, they said it was cedar. To me, it looked like knotty pine planks, not plywood. I wondered if you knew anything about dating and construction of the house, what that really is, and how do we find out what's really going on? Uh, Yeah.
1: And what year did you say it was built? 1966. Okay. In 66, uh, it it would have depended on the builder. Uh, Some builders had already switched over to plywood at that time, but some of the more custom builders were still using... Ah, uh, one by six planks, and uh, in fact, a lot of them were still using them by 1970. Pretty much everybody had switched over to plywood. Uh, so, if you have the one by six planks or plywood, either one, unless they're rotted, there's absolutely no reason to replace them.
2: So, in the roof off, my second question is: I thought about going to the radiant barrier instead of the foam or just the original felt insulation between the roof and the wood. Is that a better choice? And is it better to upgrade to the thicker shingles?
1: You know, in our climate, uh, you know, people think, oh, yeah, I'm going to get the the thicker shingles and it'll be better. Our sun is so brutal on the roofs, it it, it actually does just the opposite. Uh, It can actually reduce the age uh, or the longevity of that roof. Uh, typically, the 30-year shingle is your best bet if you're going to go with a, a regular type shingle. If you're looking for something that's going to last longer, be more durable, and can help reduce your insurance on the home, then you start looking at uh, some of the man-made or a metal roof, things like that. But just for a, a, a normal shingle asphalt type roof, take just stick with a 30-year shingle.
2: And do you recommend radiant barrier insulation between
1: them uh personally, I would be putting the radium barrier i I have been using the energy q radiant barrier for nineteen years now, and uh I have it in my attic uh but I don't have it under my roof because i I didn't go with a regular shingle roof I have a uh on the villa. Type roof that breathes heavily, and I already had the radiant barriers in, so I didn't bother adding it under the shingle. But if I was to redo a house that didn't already have a radiant barrier, I would absolutely add it.
2: And lastly, do you have a recommendation of someone honest to really come out and do this and work with the insurance
1: company and everything? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Arrington Roofing, mm-hmm. and you can reach them at two one four. Six nine eight, eighty four forty three. I've used him for years, and uh, he not only has he done my personal home, I've I've used him on several uh, projects that I've redone, and and uh, properties I've bought and rebuilt and sold and stuff. Uh, he does great work.
2: We needed a fresh approach with a fresh company. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. You take care.
2: We'll them. take care. Thank you. Jim.
0: Bye.
1: Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Jay in Hickory Creek, how can I help you? Hello, sir. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. We have a question. Um, We would
3: like to put a reasonable size slab cement in our backyard, uh, approximate 17 wide, 26 long. The typical, you know, two, three, four inches, whatever, it's nothing... Uh, I think out of the ordinary, but okay. we would imagine with the fence up, the house completed and neighbors all around, we would imagine that it's probably cost prohibitive. So can you tell us maybe your idea on something other than cement, or if you actually can do cement, maybe some sort of pricing on that. We just, like sure. I said, imagine because, cause you can't, I guess you can't haul cement in the back. And of course the truck can't drive into the back. So we just imagine it kind of costly for us.
1: Do you have a gate going into the back?
3: Just a normal size walk through gate,
1: yes. Okay, you got everything that's needed then. Oh, okay. uh, n- not not cost prohibitive at all. I mean, it, it's done all the time. Uh, you've got choices because you said seventeen by twenty six, right? Yes. Okay, and let me let me uh, run some quick numbers here for you. So, so you're you're only talking five and a half yards of concrete. Uh, so that can either be done with a wheelbarrow. But what most contractors would do is would bring out just a concrete pump. They run a hose uh-huh. from the front all the way to where the patio is. Concrete truck backs up, is, and uh, they're dumping the concrete into the pump, and it's pumping it to the back. Uh, really easy. And, you know, the, the concrete guys like doing it that way because they use a hose then to move around and place the concrete exactly where they need it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's no, no problem with that at all. And as far as cost, you're probably going to be somewhere between sixty five hundred, give or take.
3: All right. Um, how about a alternative maybe that we could have done or do ourselves or partial each? Uh, like, I mean, did, have you seen people
1: do pavers? So that oh, absolutely. Hide, you know, I did, a, did. I did a paver stone one at at, uh, at my house several, many years ago. Uh, and if you want to do the paver stone, basically, if you go in, you dig down, put about four to six inches of crushed limestone as a base. Uh-huh. Then you can use some stabilized sand. That's that's sand that you've got some Portland cement mixed in with it uh, to just give a nice smooth top coat and set the paver stones into that in whatever pattern you're wanting to, to use. And you got it. Okay. And that's that's a great do-it-yourself project. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Uh, Appreciate your help. Uh, Now, I will will tell you one side note on that. The paver stones will be quite a bit more expensive than doing just concrete. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) Concrete's going to be your least expensive hard surface to do. All right. Okay. Very well. You take care. Thank you so much. Let's head up to Abilene. Hello, Bob. Hello. How can I help you?
0: About square footage. Yeah. If I were to advertise my house, uh, in order to get a fairly accurate uh, figure for the square footage, how do they actually figure it? The the insurance companies or the people that are selling it, or uh, do they measure everything that's inside, including the bathrooms and hallways, or do they measure just the outside? The yeah, they
1: house. typically they just measure the outside and okay. uh air conditioned space is what's included in the square footage of the house. So like a garage uh that's not air conditioned is not included, a patio room that's not air conditioned would not be included.
0: Uh
4: so okay.
0: Well, that makes more sense then. But So do I just uh, like take a long tape measure and walk around the house and go from wall to wall, corner to corner to go around the... Yep. Yep.
1: Wow. That's all, okay. that's all they do. Well,
0: that makes a bigger room then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it does, uh, but it, it's, it's uh, not a huge difference, and the walls themselves are still in the air-conditioned space. So... That's uh-huh. that's the way they do it for ease of, oh. of doing it. Oh, now I, see. I, I will give you a little trick. Uh, almost always, if you look at your uh, property tax records, yes, it'll already tell you how many square foot your house is. Oh, so they don't
0: actually come out measure
1: it. No, but uh, it was measured when it was built, and that's what the taxes are based on. So if you uh. got a discrepancy. <laughs> you, you'll want to take a look and see if it's in your favor or their favor, but yeah, that typically your tax records will already have it for you. Now, we were talking about the square footage, and you know I brought up that the, it's on the tax rolls. Your property taxes on your home are typically based on two things. One, the value of the land, and two, the value of the building. The building value is basically set by the square footage. So you really always want to make sure that your square footage is correct, or at least in your favor. So, you know, if you've got a 2,000 square foot house, you don't want to be paying on a, on a tax valuation of 2,100 square feet. Uh, vice versa, if it said 1,900 square feet, leave it alone. Uh, you know, you don't want to go in and argue the size of the home if that's the case. Uh, so, just a, a little sidebar, that's the reason you can you know, typically get your square footage. And if you are advertising the home for sale, you simply say, on the tax rolls, as 2,100 square feet or 2,000 or whatever the house is. Tom, how can I help you? Hello, Jeff. Yes, sir.
4: Yeah, I had a situation here uh... where a uh, building, a small shed-type building, and it's got that wooden floor, so I wanted to put that indoor outdoor carpet in there before I put my stuff in there, and I, I looked at two methods. One's where you spread all that glue out, and, and it's kind of messy, and, and another one said you can use a two-sided tape. Uh, you'd have to get a real strong tape to do that, which one would you suggest be the best?
1: Well, this shed's going to be outside and not air-conditioned, correct? That is correct. Why do you want to put carpet in it?
4: I go in there and stand up for a while. It'd be easier on my feet. You you don't think that's a good idea?
1: Well, here's the issue with putting carpet on on an area like that that's not air-conditioned and stuff. It can tend to hold humidity a little bit. And so it it could tend to deteriorate the wood a little bit faster than if you didn't have any carpeting down. But the other thing is, just trying to keep it clean, going in and out, uh, it, it will tend to get dirty really fast. Uh, if you use an indoor-outdoor carpet, though, like you were talking about, that is pretty uh, breathable, and, and you should be okay with that.
4: Yeah, that's what I was talking about, the indoor-outdoor yeah. carpeting, so, so now, that's it's not
1: like you know house carpeting. Yep, and as as far as uh, the double face, they make some great double face tapes nowadays that you could put down for um, the carpet to hold it in place. You know, and, and if you're going to put shelving and different things like that on it, once all that's in there, it's going to hold the carpet in place anyway. So, personally, I would probably go uh, on this situation with the double face tape instead of glue. Uh, it'll be easier uh, to install. It'll be quicker, and should you ever decide to remove it, it it'll make it it's, much easier as well.
4: That's what I was thinking about. Now, on a on a patio heading to that, I just had a new patio put out with concrete. Putting it putting that same type of carpet on there, I could use that that too. But I may have a problem with stuff shifting on it or what.
1: uh, No, on the concrete uh, walkway, if that's going to be outside, the double face tape's really not going to hold that very well. You will probably end up gluing that down. Talking about floors. Mary from Spring sent in, can you, on a luxury vinyl flooring, can the new luxury vinyl panels, floors, be laid over tile flooring? It can, but... It's really not recommended. If the tile floor comes loose, and let's face it, a lot of them do over the years, then your your new luxury tile floor is coming loose as well. Uh, And in order to do that, you're going to have to put floor leveler down first to fill all the gaps where the grout is and different things like that. So really, you're better off to take the tile up and get down to the original concrete. The other thing is you're going to be adding thickness if you just go over the existing tile so every place where you're butt up against another floor could be a major problem for you so like i said in general my recommendation would be to take the tile out you can get all the uh, stuff off of the concrete that way and it'll give you a much nicer job that will last longer for you renee
5: are you there i'm here thank you for taking my call
1: my pleasure how can i help you
5: I am a first-time home buyer. I've been in the home for about a year, and it's a fairly new home. It's only six years old. And the sink in my bathroom and my guest bathroom have this terrible foul odor when I turn the water on. I've tried everything. I've tried baking soda. I've tried lemon. I've tried uh, Drano and cleaners, and I just can't get this odor Um, to go away. Do you recommend anything?
1: Well, when you turn the water on, does it go away after a few seconds, or or is it staying the whole time that you're using water?
5: It's on and off. It's not every time I turn the water on, but when I do, it it lasts for a good 30 seconds.
1: Okay, And, and the reason I'm asking that is if it's in the water lines itself, it'll typically dissipate like what you're having after a few seconds it'll start dissipating and usually that's a result of two dissimilar metals touching each other the odor builds up in the water so when you turn the water on uh, you get the odor and then it'll fade as as water comes through and cleans it out if it's an odor that stays long term then it's in the drain system uh, and that's a, a different animal to tackle are the pipes draining slow at all no okay then my guess is it's going to be the dissimilar metals and typically where you're going to find that is underneath the sink where the uh, Mm -hmm. cutoff valve is Uh, they may just have to change the valves out to to something else so that it it Mm -hmm. stops doing that
5: okay so something with the valves
1: more more than likely it, it's just two two metals that aren't the same so if you got copper touching galvanized metal for instance it, it'll it'll create that type of odor
5: okay because i'm a little surprised in such a new home it's giving off such an odor
1: yeah yeah because okay. it can it can happen in a in a brand new home even uh you know like i said because it it, it it's just a, a matter of the metals are actually eating each other up. And so that that effect gets into the water that's sitting there waiting in the pipe to come out when you turn the faucet on.
5: So everything I drop in there is kind of pointless.
1: It's just it, a yeah, temporary it's, fix. Yeah, it's not in the drain system. It it's in the okay. water line, in the water coming in.
5: Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking my call.
1: You bet you take care. Jesse, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you?
5: Hi there. Um, my husband and I uh, live in a older home built in 1958, and we're having some plumbing issues. And we've had um, some plumbers come out and kind of identify that it's the the sewage drainage. Um, yeah, pipe. your cast
1: iron lines are bad, huh?
5: Yes, sir. They've given us um, two estimates. One that'll fix the problem that they. Sort of like a patch or a partial fix, um, and then put a clean out in the back, and then one that'll repipe the whole underside of the house. Um, and we're we're um, not sure how long we're going to stay in the home, so we're kind of leaning towards the um, patch job. But I just want to make sure that we're making that choice, um, knowing what risk we're taking by not doing the whole house.
1: Well, uh, is this a slab or a pier and beam? Pier and beam. Okay. You you truly could go either way. Um, I'm going to tell you, though, as every year goes by, you're going to have more leaks on that old cast iron system. And the big problem you're going to run into is going to be, you know, you mentioned you don't know how long you're going to be in the house. When you go to sell it, it has become very common to do a static test on the sewer systems. And you could very well end up with somebody saying, yes, I'll buy the house, but you got to replace all the cast iron first. And so you'd end okay, up going th- through the expense again.
5: That's a common practice, huh?
1: Yeah. It wasn't up until the last probably two to three years. Okay. Uh, but, but now it, it's, it's very common. And what you're going to see is now that uh, you know, the buying frenzy is starting to slow down a little bit, uh, we will see in the next probably three to six months this turn back into a buyer's market. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, buyer's market where the buyer is going to have more say so than the seller, and you'll see that become even tighter. Uh, you know, it's going to matter that the pipes have been replaced. It's going to matter what the landscaping looks like, and all this stuff that everybody's been overlooking for the last couple of years when when uh, real estate's been so hot. It, it'll change, so right.
3: That makes sense.
1: Uh, you know, you can go ahead and just fix what needs fixing right now, but just be prepared; you may have to do additional work before you sell it. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you for your advice, Pamela. This is Jim. How can I help you?
5: I am trying to enclose the patio with screening. Is there any kind of a adhesive or glue that you can use to make it?
1: Um, seal around the edges to the concrete oh to the concrete nah. honestly nothing that's made for that now there may be some products that you might want to take a look at using but typically uh, what you would end up doing is just making the uh, screen long enough that you can roll it underneath a piece of wood that would then be attached to the concrete. Uh, they use, they have uh, screws that are blue in color that okay. can be screwed straight through the wood into the concrete. Uh, some of them have actually drill heads on them. Others you would just go ahead and drill a small pilot hole and then run this screw in, and that would be one way of doing it. Um, the other would just be a creative way of finding, uh, like, gorilla glue or... Something, uh, silicone would probably work as well that you can put down and then you would literally push the screen material into it. But the problem with that's going to be, it it won't allow you to stretch the screen nice and tight. But putting a piece of wood across the bottom, that would allow that and, and the screen would look a lot better.
5: Okay. All right. Thank you so much.
1: Nicholas in Atascacita says, Hey Jim, I am currently looking to get my house re-insulated with injection foam to help make my house more comfortable. I got a bid from two companies and one offers closed cell injection foam and the other offers open cell injection foam. I am assuming that going with a closed cell is better. I got both companies to quote the job for the same price, $8,000.00. The attic will remain blown in insulation with radiant barrier so it can breathe. Well, look, uh, Nicholas, the The deal is here's the difference between closed cell and open cell. A closed cell foam, if you get moisture in the area, you know, water, you know, a, a leak of some kind, will not absorb the water. An open cell will absorb it much like a sponge and hold the water And cause decay issues. Now, our walls, we typically don't have issues with water getting into the walls. Uh, So, you know, in in that sense, you could go with either type of insulation and be just fine. I will tell you that the open cell does help breathability a a little bit, but not a whole lot. Uh, So I wouldn't count that at all here's a, here's the one deciding factor that I would use in making this decision. Is your area, is your house in an area where it's potential to have a flood? If you have the potential to have flood water go into the home, close sell without question. So you don't have to worry about it. Uh, but if you, if your house is not flooded, doesn't, even come close to ever having to worry about it i would go either way uh typically the closed cell is a little bit less expensive than the open i'm i'm sorry the the closed cell is a little bit more expensive than the uh open cell but uh you know the materials change and stuff and uh, or you know the cost of it so they could be neck and neck at this point i'm not sure uh, but yes, that is what I would be looking at, is exactly what you outlined there. Foam in the walls, fiberglass, or uh, some breathable type of insulation in the attic, and you'll be much better off than trying to close the whole st- house up like an igloo. It- it'll be energy efficient, but it'll stay a lot more comfortable for you. David, how can I help you today?
0: I have uh, about a three-year-old house with the concrete board siding on it. Yeah. And I was out on the west side of the house today and noticed that uh, between the ends of the boards along the side of the house, there were some gaps opening up between like a 16th and maybe three thirty seconds of an inch. Okay. And I'm wondering whether I should fill
1: that, and if so, with what? Uh, you know, if you want to fill it, you can. Uh, they make a caulking for uh, cement-style st- uh, siding that can go in there. You'd have to touch up the paint if you do that. Otherwise, uh, when they put those together, they add a strip in there for uh, weather protection. So it, On it's, the back side. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you don't get to it right away, don't lose any sleep over it. Okay. And where would I find that? Caulking? Oh, any... Any place that sells James Hardy siding would have it. So Lowe's, Home Depot, both carry it. Fantastic. Yeah, I do appreciate it. You bet. You've just heard the best calls and questions from
0: Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.